freedom to live adventurously. But in my kind of crazy mind, all I heard was freedom to live risky. That sounds, that's a better title for me. Living risky. And I had this, uh, if you can just look at your neighbor, say neighbor. Some of you are being disobedient. Look at your neighbor, not me. Look at your neighbor, say neighbor. Are you living risky? Don't wait for an answer because I don't want you to, you know, like we don't, you know, like you don't want to entrap. But I did have a question that I don't even know if they were going to put it on the screen or not, but this question is for you as an audience. When was the last time or the last thing you have done risky or venturous? When is the last thing you've done risky? Like this, you've taken a risk. And I told uh, the first service that I was going to just go and really ask somebody this out in the crowd with the mic, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not, since you guys clapped for me when they said my name, I'm going to be nice to you, okay? Because I'm also afraid that somebody's going to share something illegal, and uh, we're going to feel like awkward, like what do we do next? But, you know, this thing of living risky, this thing of living adventurous, uh, you know, it, it's something that it, there's a level of freedom that comes with it. In order for you to live risky, you're going to have a level of freedom that you have to have. And I'm not talking about risk in, in this idea of venture that the world sees. I'm not talking about that, like living this dangerous life where you feel like you have to get drunk as as drunk as you can and, and stay up as long as you can and take as many drugs as you can and sleep with as many people as you can or, or, or do all these. I'm not talking about that type of, I'm talking about a risk that only the king of kings could provide for us. And we're going to talk about that. And, and you guys are going through the story of the Israelites and how they're freed from slavery. And there's this key guy in it named Moses who is a key individual to this story. So we're going to talk about him today. Um, so if you can just stay with me, you guys know me, most of you do. I stick with the Bible as much as possible, and I read a lot. So if you can just stay with me, and it'll be on the big Bibles in the sky if you didn't bring yours. But we're going to start in Exodus chapter 3, 1 through 15. Are you living risky? And what does it take? So we're going to answer the question of what does it take for you to live this adventurous life that God is calling you to live, this living risky life. Now Moses uh, was tending to the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of the Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire and it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why this bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that Moses had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses said. Do not come any closer. God said, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is what? Holy ground. You're going to have to participate for us to get out on time, okay? 
I'm going to keep you longer if you don't talk back. So y'all know that. Y'all need to say some amens. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to do what? Look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their what? Suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a what? Good and what? Spacious land. A land flowing with what? Milk and cookies. I mean, and honey. The home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way of the Egyptians, the, the way they are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Moses is hearing this, 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 this bush tell him some things that, oh, I hear the oppression that's going on. And Moses, if you read earlier in chapter 2, you're finding some things going on that Moses himself knows that the, what's happening in Egypt, like he knows the struggle that's going on. And Moses is all good with hearing this. But then Moses, it, it gets kind of interesting that God says, I'm going to come down and deliver them. But then he says, but I'm going to, I need you to do it. And this is where Moses responds, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of what? Egypt. Who am I? So the first step in, in, in living this adventurous life, in living this risky life, I'm giving you three steps today, is that you have to have obedience over opposition. Obedience over opposition. In order for you to have a risky life that it calls for faith, you're going to have to focus on the obedience and not the opposition. Because now Moses is now focused on, like he hears the problem, he understands, but now that God is saying you are about to do it, let's find out the rest of how Moses starts to respond to God saying, I'm going to send you. And God says, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is who I have sent, that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this very mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is thy name? He says, then what shall I say to them? God says to Moses, I am what? Who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites because they're in Egypt. They have all these other gods. The Egyptians have all these gods and all these other things going on. He says, so how do I differentiate you between the other gods? Just tell them I am who I am. I am the king of kings. I'm the god of all gods. I am the best, the biggest, the thing that they've ever seen. I am God. I am has sent me to you is your response, Moses. 
God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name, what? Forever. The name you shall call me from what? Generation to generation. What I love about this is that you have this idea of Moses. He has to have obedience in this moment. And in just a very simple direction, God tells Moses to take off his what? Sandals. Take take your sandals off. Just take your sandals off. Don't even come any closer. You are standing on holy ground. Moses follows the simple direction. Obedience over the opposition. I feel like Moses is kind of getting the momentum a little bit that he's asking some questions. But in uh, Exodus chapter 3, 19 through 22, but now that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. This isn't going to be easy, Moses. You're going to, going to need some obedience to go over your opposition because this Pharaoh isn't going to allow you to do this easily. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with the wonders, all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will what? Let you go. I'm going to perform some some miracles and he will let you go. And I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed towards this people so that when you will leave, you won't leave empty handed. Every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold and for clothing, which you will put on your sons and daughters and you will plunder the what? Egyptians. So I'm going to hook you up after you, you know, you've decided to leave. They're going to leave there. And not only will they leave, you will leave with some things, some very valuable things from the people who enslaved you. Hmm. I know, I understand. You're not with me yet, but we're going to get there. It takes first obedience over what? Opposition. If you're going to live, live risky, you're going to have to focus on the obedience part and not the things that's coming your way. But let's go to the next one. Exodus chapter 4. We, we are in this, we are neck deep into this conversation between God and, and Moses. And Moses has already said, what if they don't believe me? God has given him an answer. Now, this is where the human nature of Moses comes out. This is, Moses says, what if they don't believe me or listen to me? The, they may say the Lord didn't even appear to you. Like, what if they say that? Then the Lord said to him, what is, it, what is that in your hand? I love how God asks questions that he already knows. What is that in your hand? Like, you're God. Like, you're talking from a bush. You can see what's in my hand. What is that in your hand? And Moses, because it's not for him, it's for us to realize, okay, it's a staff in our hand. Then the Lord says, throw it what? On the ground. Obedience over opposition. I'm being obedient. I'm going to just throw this staff on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a what? Snake. And he responded like most of us would. My question is, first, he's talking to a burning bush. He's not scared of that. Like some of us have these like different fears. Like we're not scared of a charging elephant, but let a mouse run around our house. He's talking to a burning bush, but the stick becomes a snake and Moses ran from it. (laughs) He runs from it. 
So this kind of gives me my next little step is in order for us to have this adventurous life, if God has called you to, to do something risky, you have to first have the obedience over opposition, and now you also need to choose faith over fear. Faith over fear. Faith over your fears. Moses ran from this snake that just, he wasn't running from the idea of this stick turning into a snake. He ran from the snake. There was a, a, a real fear. Let's continue with this story. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. I'm challenging you, Moses, to take your faith and put it over your fear and grab this snake. Like, I couldn't wonder, like, why didn't God just change it into a butterfly or something? Like, why did he just do something nice? Like, why didn't he just, like, like give me a little lamb? Like, turn it into, but he, like, a you know, balloon animal or something. Like, give me something, God, like, I can believe that miracle. But why is it that you chose something I'm scared of to, for me to embrace in this moment? Because he wants you to have your faith over fear. So Moses reached out, took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a what? staff in his what? Hand. And we're getting there. Why this has something to do with you today. This said the Lord is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Do this so they can believe you, that I sent you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses, with the directions of obedience, he put his hand inside of his cloak, not even knowing what was going to happen. When he took out his hand, the skin was leprous. It had become white as what? Snow. Can you imagine taking your hand out and it has a disease, a disease that will kick, get, get you kicked out of your family, that will get you kicked out of the village. The leprosy was one of those things that they were, it was a very obvious disease. They said, no, you cannot be around these people. Don't even touch these people. Can you imagine this was the worst disease that he could have, and it's on his hand? Faith over fear. Moses is looking at his hand, and it's white as snow. Now he put it, now God says, put it back into your cloak. He says, so Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was what? Restored like the what? Rest of his flesh. Faith over fear. Obedience over opposition. Keep those in your mind. Let's go to the next one. Then the Lord said, if they do not believe you. Like, first of all, who wouldn't believe that you were with God after those two things? Like, what else would you need to be proved? Like, wait a minute, you just turned a stick into a snake. Your hand became diseased, and now it's restored. I believe you're, you're legit, bro. You're legit. You're called by God. You have to be. And God says, but if they do not believe you, because you know how church people are, they just, it's something they just need to see more and more of. Pay attention to the first sign. If they don't do that, they may believe the second. If they don't, let's go. If they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it out on the ground. The water you take from the river will become the blood on the ground. Mm. Moses said to the Lord, because I need you to think in Moses' perspective right now. Moses says, excuse me, very polite, to, to pardon your servant, Lord. 
I have never been a what? Eloquent. In one verse, I've never been an eloquent speaker. Neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of what? Speech and of what? Tongue. Hold on. You just turned a, a stick into a snake. You just made your hand leprous and it came back in clean. You just said, well, I did water and it turned into blood. And Moses starts to focus on this minor thing. Like most of us do in our life, we can't have this great faith because we have fear of our inadequacies. After all the great things that God has blessed you with, you still focus on the minor things making a major in your life. That's crazy. Can you imagine that? Can you just visually see this happening? And then Moses, excuse me, God, I know all this great stuff just happened, but I can't even talk good. This, if I was God, this is where I would be like, strike you down, go get somebody else. I'm done. I am done. Patience is over. Moses, get out of here. Give me somebody else. Like, like I'm trying to teach you how to convince the Israelites to believe in me, and you don't really believe in the power of me. How can you go free people when you yourself are still in bondage on something else? Something petty, something minor that you're talking about, I can't talk with. Look what the Lord says. <laughs> I love God. Who, this is how he asks these questions to us. Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord, Moses? Boy, please. No, I'm sorry, he doesn't say that part. But now go. I will what? Help you what? Speak. And I'll also what? Teach you what to say, baby. This is how, that's how I read it. It's just, just. But Moses said, this is how I love it. He's so polite in his disrespect. How we are, like this is us in church. We're so polite when we come to God. But God, excuse me, God, but excuse me, pardon me. Uh, Please send somebody else. <laughs> like the Lord is talking to you through a bush, and you're like, and he cho chose you, and you're sitting there like, uh, yes, you are great. I'm hiding my face from you, but please choose somebody else to do this. We're going to find out why in a minute. But this, like, I feel like it's me. Like, God, you sure you want this as a Leo? Like, I'm Leo Robinson II. You don't want my, you're probably looking for my dad. Faith over fear. The Lord's what? Anger burned against who? Moses. Yeah, that's my God right there. People act like God doesn't have emotions. He does. He just knows how to control it. As a part of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. God has emotions. And he's like, Moses, like, I'm mad at you right now. He says, but what about your what? Brother Aaron the Levite. I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. God is, still, is angry at Moses, but he's not stopping him from his assignment. He says, I know you have excuses, but what I'm going to do is provide where you feel like you lack, but I'm still sending you. Mm. 
faith over fear. Exodus chapter 4, verse 18 through 19. Then Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, this is, this gets good. Let me return to my own people in Egypt to see if any of them are still alive. Jethro said, go, and I wish you well. So Moses has accepted this now. He's going to Jethro and saying, hey, I, I, I have to leave. Can I leave? Jethro gives him the permission to leave. And this is where you're about to find out. Keep that up. This is where you're about to find out why Moses is so bent out of shape on really trying to go. Now the Lord has said to Moses and Midian, go back to what? Egypt, for all those who wanted to kill you are what? Dead. If you really read that story, you know it really wasn't just about speech. It really just wasn't about God being this awesome God and Moses feeling inadequate. Moses, in step three of living this risky life, this where most of us are stuck in step three. You know, some of us, we know how to be obedient and we listen to God's word. We, we really feel like we have this strong faith and we can conquer some fears. But one thing we get stuck on is we focus on our former lives and we don't understand our future. We don't choose the future over the former. Moses, in that moment, God had to tell Moses, all those people that wanted to kill you in Egypt are now what? Dead. This sets Moses off into a trajectory. He goes to Israel. He does what God has called him to do. He leads the people, and he's frustrated up and down. You guys will go over there for the next couple of weeks. But Moses needed to hear God says, your past has been wiped clean. So some of us in here, you come in here with your baggage, but in the moment of you releasing your baggage to the altar, you take it back home with you. God has chosen you to do something risky. He's chosen you to do something that's going to take some wild faith, and you're like, no, God, I cannot do it. Because if you read in chapter 2, Moses has killed someone. He doesn't say that in the conversation with God in the bush. He doesn't say that. He doesn't. He talks about his speech. He doesn't say, oh, God, you probably need to check my background, my, my criminal record. You know, I did kill somebody. He doesn't. He conceals that. He suppresses that. That's inside that he, he killed somebody, and now those people in Egypt were trying to kill him. He runs away. That's how he ends up with Jethro. He runs away from the people in, in uh, Egypt, and that's when God was like, boy, come on. I Those people are now gone. You're free to go forward. Focus on your future and not your what? Former. See, some of you in your mind, you just cannot get to step three or step four in your life that God is trying to move you because you're still thinking about your history. And it's history to God. It's the past to God. You still think about your hangups, what you don't have, what you were, your mistakes that you've made, and you bring them up. And you bring them up like you think people bring them up. You know, you feel like God is like us sometimes. Like God is like people when we are like to each other. Because some of us hold things of the past over people's heads. Is that, does that happen in this church? Yeah, we do. I'm not, I know you, some of y'all go lie, but it's okay. 
You hold it over your kids' head. They did something when they was in kindergarten. They grown with you got grandchildren from them. And you still tell them about something they did in Boy, you stole my nickel. That's why I won't trust you with my car today. What? We hold things over. You got marriages where people in their marriage for 15 and 20 years will still bring up something that was done years ago. Oh, remember when you lied about your boyfriend? Uh, first of all, we were in 10th grade and we're 50 now. What are we talking about here? We hold things and we think God is like that with us. God had already freed Moses. That's why God was talking to Moses. Moses, you're following my directions. You're taking sandals off. You're throwing the stick down. Your faith is bigger than your fear because you picked up that snake. You are ready to be used. But there's one little hang-up right now. You're still focusing on your former life and not your future life. Is that you today? Is God... Has God put you here today to hear this message that you are stuck on your past because you haven't let it pass? The thing that God has called you to do, you start looking at your history. Oh man, I'm telling you, that I was about, I don't know if you guys know this part about me, but I was about to kill myself years ago. We just got done talking to some young people uh, this weekend in Lima, Ohio. I know, you don't know where that's at, but um, somewhere in Ohio. Small town, and when I got in front of this group of young people, we were there both Friday and Saturday, and I got in front of these group of people, it was very obvious on the first night that they had never seen someone like me before. You could tell by their faces when I walked in front of them, and I they were just shocked. They had never seen anyone. And I, I know you guys are uncomfortable right now, so I won't even say it, but it starts with a B. Uh, but they have never seen anyone like me with a beard. So um, what you were thinking, I don't know. Uh, but we had a great time. But in these moments of talking with them, we were talking about mental struggles that kids have these days, teenagers dealing with depression, teenagers dealing with anxiety, teenagers dealing with identity issues. And I was saying, even in my mind while preparing for those messages, I'm like, man, that's things that adults deal with. I was getting ready to kill myself at the age of 21 when God called me to speak. Because I was stuck on number three. My past. My history is messed up. How would you use someone like me, God? And I'm so glad that God spoke to me in that service. It wrecked my life from, like, forever. It changed the trajectory of my life because God showed me, how can you free someone when you're not free yourself? And then I, I thought it was God. God was like, I have freed you a long time ago, Leo. You are the one holding yourself in bondage. Because the Bible tells us in John 8, and I believe it's 36, it says, if you are in Christ, if you are in the Son of Christ, if you, he frees you, and if you are free in him, you are free what? Indeed. That means he has really, truly freed you. Like when you walk in here, he doesn't sit here and think about your past. He thinks and concentrates and focuses on your future. 
But we'll walk in here with that baggage and be like, oh, poor me, oh, my. I'll sing these worship songs, but God will never use me like he's using Pastor Greg. God will never use me like he's using the worship team. God will never, because I just have all this stuff. And God, like, child, please. Don't you know that I am God? Oh, but we'll put anxiety in his spot. We'll put addictions in his spot. Man, to hear what you guys did with the uh, re celebration recovery, that you guys say, listen, we're going to get together with other community and other churches, and we're going to open this door to people, and we're going to and have 50 people come in here. That means there were 50 people waiting for you to open the door. All they was doing was waiting. God had already provided those people that you needed to free. And it's like, but I just need you to do what? Open the door. Be obedient and not focus on your opposition. I need you to don't focus on your fear and really, really, really focus on your future. I need you really to, uh, excuse me, to not focus on your former faith over fear. I love this right here. I believe this is it. It's freedom to obey. Freedom from fear. Freedom from the former. That adds up to a risky life. Where you depend solely on Jesus Christ every step. Some of us have gotten too comfortable. And it's time for you to start living risky. If you're not living risky, you're not living a faith life. If you're not being challenged, I don't care how old you are, how, how young you are. If you're not living in these moments, you are not living the faith-filled life that God has promised for us. God has somebody for you to free. And he says, I'm choosing you to free these individuals. I'm going to move through you. Let me teach you. Let me speak through you. But I'm going to use you. If he's not looking at your past, neither should you. Mm. I'm so glad he isn't a respective person. I say this all the time. God chooses our availability over our abilities. I love that. If I would have committed suicide, I had a plan and everything. Like, I don't, it would have impacted my family. Like, all I would have done is transferred all of my pain, transferred all of my insecurities, transferred all that to my family. See, we think that's the end all, but no, that's the start all. It starts to moms having, can't sleep anymore, and fathers figuring out what they did wrong, and, 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 and brothers and sisters and cousins, like, man, maybe that is the way. Like, we start something when we, we commit suicide. We don't end anything. Some of us know, unfortunately, what the bondage comes with that. Stop holding yourself hostage today. Stop holding yourself hostage. Bring everything to Christ. John 10.10 10 says this. It's one of my favorite scriptures. Is the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Three-step process. Like he isn't, he isn't satisfied with just stealing something from you. He isn't satisfied. You would think he would just stop at killing like it's done and over. But it's not. He's trying to destroy everything you're connected to. 
But Jesus doesn't allow that verse to end. He says, but I come that they may have what? Life, and not just regular life. Life what? Abundantly. Life to the full. Like living this this life where it overflows into people that may not know what life is, and it, your life flows into them because I've given you so much. You've lived this risky life, this faith-driven life, and it starts to flow into other people. Like they're saying, who is this God you serve? I am free now because you are free, and now we're freeing other people, and that's what we've been called to do. Amen? As you go through this story in the next couple of weeks, Look at how the children of Israel go with these ups and downs when they're being free. Some of them want to return back to their old bondage. I got a story, and I'm closing. There's this story about this, uh, and you, some of you may have known it, it's this song. It's about a violin, and it's called The Touch of the Master's Hand. I don't like the song. I'm going to be honest. It's sung in a very old way. The touch. Like, it's like that. Oh, the master's hand. Like, it's just, that's not my style. <laughs> Amen. I'm more of a country western guy. Uh, why are y'all laughing? Let's stop right here, like. Like some of y'all got, you know, anyways. But it starts in the story. It's a great story when you just read the lyrics. So young people, if you don't like a song, just read the lyrics, and especially if it's about something interesting. But it starts with this auctioneer. He looks at this old, dusty violin, and he's like, man, I don't even want to put this up for auction because it's dusty. But it, it goes on to say he just kind of with just this push to say, hey, how much do I get for this violin? He starts the, um, the price at $1. Can I get $1? $1. $1. Somebody must have said $1. He says, can I get $2? And somebody must have said $2. And then he goes to $3. Can I get just at least $3 now for this uh, violin? This old man in the back says no. Walks to the front. Dust off this violin, tightens the strings on it, and he takes the bow and he starts to play, which in the song says it sounds like angels are singing. It's, I don't know how angels sing, but it must have been well. Because in the song it says, at the, after the man gets done playing this violin, the crowd was silent and shocked and amazed. The auctioneer, he takes this um, violin, and then he goes, how much can I get for this violin? 1,000. People start saying 1,000. He says 2,000. People say, no, 2,000. I'll take And somebody says 3,000. And some people start to wonder, why is this violin worth so much now? And somebody says in the crowd, because of the touch of the what? Master's hand. How valuable you are. People may see you as dusty and untuned, but when the master gets a hold of you, what great things he can do through you. Let's stand. I believe 
as we stand, we're going to pray, but like we do all the time, I believe there are some people here with some baggage, with some things that you just can't forgive yourself for, and you think God thinks the way you do about yourself. Some things that you know that maybe years and years of just hiding and suppressing it like Moses did. You think that no one will accept you and nothing you can do great. God says, no, I have forgiven you of that. Just give it to me. Give me your all. As we close our eyes and bow our heads, I know that there are some people here because I was in moments like this where I didn't know what true freedom was because I held on to things in my life, mistakes I had made and uh, bad decisions that I had thought were good decisions and they turned out to hurt relationships. It's like, man, I'm so, I'm so bad of a person, but God was like, I can use you. In order for God to free some people, he's going to need you, need you to free yourself. He's going to need you to let go of those, those, those traumatic things that you, have let, that you have just kept in your mind, kept on your heart. The Bible tells us to renew our mind in Christ Jesus. Renew it. It may take a couple weeks. It may take you exposing some things. It may take you talking to some people and, and, and just going back and forth and just letting some people know what has been suppressed inside you so long that once you allow it to leave out of you, you're going to feel free. We're here to ga gather together today for a specific purpose and a reason. It's not an accident that you were here. It isn't an accident or coincidence that you heard this message. There are some people here that needed to hear this message and are convicted by it. And that's a good thing. The Bible says when, when we get together, let us sharpen each other. And sharpening isn't a smooth situation. It's rough. It may hurt a little bit. But at the end of the day, you're going to walk a lot lighter to your car today because you have let some things go. If that's you, all I want you to do, just right in this moment, if that's you, you've been holding on to some baggage, and today was the day you said, I'm going to let it go. I, all I'm going to just simply ask you to do, you don't have to walk up right now. All I want you to do is just simply raise your hand. This is me, acknowledge that you have heard it and put it down, and let's pray together. Raise your hand. Let's, this is me, God. I'm, let, I'm giving it to you today. Have the courage to follow some directions today. Admit that you have been touched by this message. Admit that you are the Moses in this situation, holding on to some past garbage, some past things, baggage in your life, and say, God, it's yours, not mine. Use me.